This is Brayden and Tally, the voice of my beloved podcast. Uh, today we've got oh, it's a really exciting section of Song of Songs that we're going through today. Uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, we wanted to mention the events that are coming up here on the Love and Purity campus. Uh, the first one is Men's Prayer and Fasting. It's coming up here uh, on December 4th through the 6th. And so uh, we got a group of guys coming out, praying and fasting. There's a video for Braden. I haven't even watched it yet, but uh, giving a call, right? Yes, it's a key time to be engaging in prayer. We know that we battle not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against the principalities and powers that are warring. So it's mm-hmm. a key time to be humbling ourselves in prayer and fasting. Yeah, yeah, and if uh, you know. If, if there was ever a time to fast and pray, it's now. We, we uh, definitely are need to really press in uh, and really fight that uh, Laodicean American mindset of just being put to sleep and uh, being distracted by all the things of the world. Uh, so, yeah, we got to rise up. So, uh, prayer and fasting, December 4th through 6th. We've got Hanukkah worship week coming up 13th through the 20th. Uh, bring your instruments and your voice. We're going to be uh, doing teachings on worship and practically speaking what what that looks like, uh, how to engage in worship and stuff. And Braden's been reading through a, a book, the what's the Harp and Bowl, right? Yeah, the Harp and Bowl method, basically combining prayer and worship together. Yeah as being the heavenly model, really. we see That's what we see in heaven. They have the harp, which represents music, and then the bowl, which represents the intercession, the prayers, filling up the bowls. Mm-hmm. So this is the type of uh, worship we're going to be aiming to do here and then also talking about it, the significance of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tonica Worship Week. And right after that, we are going into Hebrew classes here, December 22nd through the 18th. There's also a two-week option. Uh, and we are very excited to learn Hebrew with you. <laughs> We've done uh, seven ulpans, although I think it's I think it's more than that right now. Upan is the the Hebrew word for Hebrew class. We've done about seven Hebrew classes, and it's always been very fun, and the students have always done well, and yeah, it's always been a good time. So, yeah, exciting. So we got <laughs> Hebrew classes coming up. Uh, yeah, and we didn't get to do it this past year because we had it scheduled for spring, and then we had all the shutdowns and it happened. We had to cancel events. Uh, so that was one of the things that got canceled. So, yeah, we're we're really hungry for Hebrew right now, right? Uh, yeah, so yeah, there's a podcast as well uh, that we did mm-hmm. a little while ago called Our Hebrew Journey. So if you want to go back and listen to that just to find out how we begin to learn Hebrew and begin to really appreciate it, mm-hmm. that's a great uh, podcast. And also the, the book, The Tongue of the Prophets, the story of Eliezer ben Yehuda and how he was inspired to bring this language back to life. Mm-hmm. Incredible story. You get a chance to read that. But it's a modern day miracle, really, that mm-hmm. this is a spoken language after being unused for so many centuries. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is such an amazing thing to be able to open the Bible and read it in the original 
language as well uh, for the the Old Testament. So it's a, it's a pretty pretty neat thing, pretty inspiring. So come and join us. It'll be fun. Uh, so we're going to go into the Song of Songs here. We are at chapter 5, verse 10. I just wanted to give a context of where we're at now. The storyline is she has gone out in search of her beloved. She's been beaten. She's been misunderstood. Uh, she's been questioned. And, and the daughters of Jerusalem see the bride in this state, and they're just like, what is the deal? Why are you still going after your beloved? You know, surely there's another beloved. And this is her response. And her response is, is, um, is like, absolutely not. There is no one like my beloved. And, uh, and I love the, the response be, and I, and I really think that's why worship is so important is because you know what we can get so caught up in the trials and the challenges um, that you almost lose sight of of the goal of the the relationship that we have that we're pressing on for and so um, and you can kind of see that as soon as she makes that decision like no my beloved is wonderful like she just it's out it's just like this pouring out of her heart of how just overwhelmingly in love with her beloved she is and so that's the uh, that's the part we're going to get into here yes so we're at 510 and she opens up, she says, my beloved. And so right off the bat, she is recognizing that, you know, he's, he's not, uh, she, her heart has not grown cold toward him. He, he is still her beloved, even though he's not there, you know, present with her in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my beloved is white. And this word white can also be translated as dazzling, radiant, brilliant. It's the Hebrew word zach. And so he is white and ruddy. And this word is the Hebrew word adom, which means red. So ruddy. Uh, we see this showing up with David. Uh, this says, you know, he was a ruddy boy. When he comes in, it's like, you know, all the brothers are there to get, you know, see if they're, they're going to be the king, the anointed king. And then right, David comes in, he's a ruddy young man. Mm-hmm. And so this word uh, ruddy in that story is admoni, connected. The Hebrew letters are directly connected to adom. And so, uh, what it's speaking of is this Adom is the inner health. You know, someone that has rosy cheeks is inwardly, you know, there's the, it speaks of inner health. Mm-hmm. And so her beloved is white and ruddy. He's, he has inner health. He has inner um, beauty. He has, you know, just a, a strength on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so we also see that the white it's, you know, it's speaking of his brilliance, his glory. And so this idea that he's from heaven but then also that he's ruddy, he's red, he's Adom, which actually connects to the Hebrew word Adam, and he's the son of man. So Yeshua, the son of man, he's, he's white, he's heavenly, amazing, but then he also he's red, he's ruddy, he's of, of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, just interesting side note, the, right in the very beginning, Genesis, you have uh, Adam, is, is Adam, right? And then you have, he came from the Adama, which is earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you have a dome, which is red. He, he, Adam has red. You know, he's, he's got red blood flowing mm-hmm. through his veins. So it's right. just there's a, in the Hebrew you see these di- different connections. Uh, dom is then blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> dom, Adam, Adama. So they're all all connected. Mm-hmm. So 
We also see uh, him, you know, it says he's white. We see in Revelation 1.14, there's quite a few parallels in this passage that speak uh, also in Revelation, describing Yeshua in Revelation. So Revelation 1.14, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. So here's my beloved is white. He's dazzling, radiant. And then in verse 16 of chapter 1 of Revelation, his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. So he's dazzling, radiant, and this is the first thing the the bride says. Oh, he's dazzling. He's brilliant, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Psalm one hundred four, who covers himself with light as with a garment. It's another verse is speaking of he's white. He's dazzling. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that this is the night that she's out, right? And um, and so it's that brilliance, that white thing is the f- is the first thing that she talks about is like, he's the light. Like, right. even though I'm in the darkness right now being beaten up, like that's that's what's so appealing about him. He's he's right. the white, you know, the the brightness, the light. Yes. And, and as she goes through all these attributes, I just think of the verse in Psalm 145, verse five. David says, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Mm -hmm. And so here, this is what the bride is doing. She's extolling the bridegroom's glory and Mm -hmm. just just really exulting in who he is and goes through these different attributes. And so we're just going to keep on going here and looking at these different things and then just what they represent, these different things that she points out, what they represent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just think, too, uh, just in this state... You know, just talking about worship, she had a question asked to her, which is what kind of took her mind out of her, you know, took her out of the situation, this rough situation that she was in. And just uh, just as an encouragement that, you know, as we go through the trials, um, there might not be the question, you know, of why are you doing this? I'm sure the enemy, you know, at times does that, you know, like why, why are you even trying, you know, to keep on this path, just, you know, throwing the towel or whatever. Um, but just the importance of, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm sure that all of you have had that moment before where it's just like such a trial to even worship, you know, to even force yourself to engage in worship. But as soon as you do, there's like that, you know, there's, there's that breakthrough then where you're just like, oh, you know, when you make that choice that I'm not going to meditate on my circumstances, on this trial that I'm going through, but I'm going to give that to him and just glorify him, you know, just, uh, and so this is a really neat thing to see that, you know, this is the answer here. Yeah. And just along that lines, we've got Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow. I remember going through a tough time, just relationships were uh, challenging and just uh, things were just weren't making sense. I was trying to work through it. It was really kind of bogging me down. But a good friend of mine, uh, he called me up and said, uh, Brady, you know, you need to thank God for all those things that you're going through. I was like, what a revolutionary idea. You know, actually, <laughs> actually, thank what? God for the trials, you know, to uh-huh. thank him for all these difficult things I'm going through. But when he said it, it just resonated with me. I thought that is exactly what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just, said, God, I thank you for all these trials that I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Thank you that really you're doing something good through this. Mm -hmm. And immediately, I mean, just within seconds, my whole, my whole inner state changed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and all of a sudden I'm no longer a victim of my circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. Cause that's what the enemy a lot of times likes to put us in. He's like, Oh, you're just a victim, you know, and likes to feed that self pity, that idea that, you know, 
everything is just happenstance and look, you just ended up with a, a bad set of circumstances. Right. And, you know, <laughs> but we know that's not true. God, he is the one who is ordering our steps ultimately. Mm-hmm. And we can thank him. We can thank him even through the hard times. And really, you know, Ty and I have been reading stories of the persecuted church and these people, they have found out that secret. Right. They're going to thank God no matter what. And this is what we see the bride doing. She's mm-hmm. modeling that, that she's going to extol him, worship the bridegroom, even in the middle of mm-hmm. what seems to be a disaster. Yeah. And it, you know, as strange as that, as that sounds, you'll notice that as she's talking about the, her beloved, as she's talking about the bridegroom, there's no bad thing about him. <laughs> and I think that that's what worship is supposed to do. And what Braden's talking about here, being thankful in any circumstance, that's because like, it's acknowledging his, his, uh, him as creator, that he's in control of everything and that he, as the person who is in control of everything in our life, that he is perfect. Like there's no, there's nothing wrong with him. Like he didn't mess, he doesn't mess up anything. And so um, just acknowledging that I think strengthens your inner core, you know, it gives you that strength instead of, as Braden said, you know, just, uh, you know, really questioning things and, and uh, you know, f- having that victim kind of uh, mentality instead. Yes. So she says, my beloved is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. And so she's responding to the question. The daughters of Jerusalem just asked her, you know, what is your beloved more than another beloved? She says, oh, my, he is of, of 10,000. And this word in the Hebrew, uh, meravava, is also could be translated as multitudes. So mm-hmm. she, it could also be translated, he's chief among multitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is often translated as 10,000, but it can also be translated as just a host or a multitude. Mm-hmm. And so she's answering the question, he is the best of multitudes. He's incomparable, basically. Mm-hmm. And the word chief there is the word dagul, which is connected to the word banner. He's, he's like lifted up like a banner. He's chief. He's the highest. He's the highest, the best of 10,000, you could say. Mm-hmm. All right, so going on here, uh, Colossians 1.18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. And so this verse just goes along with that idea of he's, he is the best. He's the, the best of all. You take, you know, line up the best of the world. He's going to be better than all of them. Mm-hmm. Verse 11, his head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. So looking at this, his head is like the finest gold. So gold, we know, is the most valuable metal. And she's saying here that this is, he, his head is like the finest gold. The Hebrew word is paz, and it's used in different parts of the Bible. In Song of, in, uh, Psalms chapter 19, mm-hmm. it talks about more to be desired are they than gold, yes, much fine gold. So this is the word paz, the fine gold. And so you take the most valuable metal and then the best of that is the pause mm-hmm. and his head is like this. And it speaks of his thoughts, his, his, uh, the way that he thinks is just, is the highest. It's the most, uh, the highest thoughts that could be had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the verse here in Psalm 139, 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they will be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. So here, just this idea of valuing the thoughts of God, that his, his head, his thoughts are like fine gold. We just really value those thoughts. 
Yeah. And then also when you're thinking of fine gold, you're thinking of the refining process that makes gold refined, you know, it's a, and it's a, uh, there's that refining where the, and so that's what we're called to be like as well is to be, you know, is to enter into the, that refining fire too. So, you know, to just be, so that we may be found in that way too, to resembling that, that gold, uh, that refined gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His locks are wavy. And so the locks, his hair, it's speaking of the, you know, he's, he's got these seem long hair and which, Reminds us of the Nazarites, right? They were not going to cut their hair, which speaks of dedication. Mm-hmm. If, if you ever hear our voices kind of fade out, it's because Brayden and I actually use our hands to, while we're doing the podcast and like we're moving around. And so sometimes we just go back here. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually showing the wavy hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So his locks are wavy and uh, he's fully committed. You know, the, just like the Nazarites, it was spoken that they were dedicating themselves to God. And so his locks being wavy, uh, it's speaking of his dedication to, mm-hmm. to God, that he's fully consecrated to his service. And it, then it says his hair is black as a raven and black hair, it signifies youthfulness. Uh, the bridegroom is forever youthful. He never wanes in his energy and his, his devotion to his people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in contrast to gray hair. You know, gray hair is, uh, is a great thing in the Bible as well. But uh, here, just the, the metaphor of the black hair is speaking of his vigor. And because uh, we, we also see in Revelation uh, chapter one that his hair is, is uh, white, right? Uh, so th- these are just metaphors, black hair, white hair. Uh, the white hair is depicting his glory, his majesty, and the black hair is depicting, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a, of a Jewish man with you know, black curly hair, but this is mm-hmm. the kind of the idea, you know, just youthful and, and just full of vigor. Mm-hmm. All right, so going on to verse 12, his eyes are like doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. And I love this verse, just speaking of his eyes, you know, throughout the song, this idea of the eyes like doves, is, it comes up quite often. But here the bride is saying his eyes are like doves. The bridegroom has told her before you know, that her eyes are like doves. Now the bride says, oh, his eyes are like doves, which as we've talked about are speaking, it's speaking of that singular vision. His eyes, the bridegroom's eyes have a single vision. He's looking straight ahead. Mm-hmm. I think of the scripture in the gospels to talk about his face is set like flint, mm-hmm. right? He's just looking straight ahead. He is undeterred in his devotion, in his commitment to, to the people of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're washed. Speaking of uh, their purity, they're washed with milk. You know, pure milk. This this um, this nourishing substance. He's, he's, his eyes are washed with this milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees perfectly. You know, so in this place that she's at in life, it could be tempting to think that maybe he doesn't see me. Right? Maybe right. he's forgotten about me. Mm-hmm. But she says no. His eyes are like doves. He is still very focused in on what's going on in my life, even though by all appearances, it doesn't maybe feel like that, but she's telling the daughters of Jerusalem, oh yes, he is not forgotten about me. Mm-hmm. He is, his eyes are set on set. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and I love this part. They're fitly set. It says his eyes are fitly set. And so you just get this imagery of, you know, some people's eyes can be, you know, set back or you may have, you know, problems with nearsightedness or farsightedness or eyes that protrude, but no, the bridegroom, his eyes are fitly set. 
his discernment is perfectly balanced, right? He's not, he's not uh, too heavy on judgment. He's not too lenient in mercy. Mm-hmm. He is, his eyes, his discernment is perfect. He assesses every situation with perfect justice. Mm-hmm. This is the, the bridegroom, the, the heavenly bridegroom. This is the way he sees, sees with great clarity. Hebrews 4.13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. His eyes are open. He's not, he never sleeps or slumbers, right? The psalm says. Revelation 1, and his eyes are like a flame of fire. He is intense. His eyes are uh, like that. those dove's eyes. They're set. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Very intense. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And so here we just see this mighty promise, really, that God's eyes, these eyes are like doves. They're just intense, searching. Uh, They're going throughout the earth to look for the person who is devoted to God and that Mm -hmm. that God will be strong on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Going on to verse 13, his cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies dripping liquid myrrh. So looking at his cheeks here, his cheeks are like a bed of spices. Banks can also be translated as towers of scented, scented herbs. So uh, just you just think of the uh, enormous amount of herbs, like a tower of herbs. And mm-hmm. This is his cheeks. And cheeks speak of the emotions. You know, we can tell if someone is happy or sad, angry, mm-hmm. based on their cheeks. And so here the bride is saying his emotions are are full, they're fragrant. Mm-hmm. They're like a tower of scented herbs. And his emotions are diverse as well. Just thinking about the herb garden, right? You got all these different herbs. And he has just a multitude of beautiful emotions joy, love, delight, peace, you know, excitement, zeal. He has all these different emotions. And they're they're like these banks of scented herbs, plural herbs, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it's just you just get this beautiful uh, imagery when you think of this, like this, this um, just so much variety to it. You know, a bank of spices, banks of scented herbs. Like this is just, it's so uh, not boring. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's just, it's not. Uh, this isn't the bridegroom that is stoic and right. um, you know doesn't feel anything. This is, this is one that's just so much color. You know, and life and you know, it's, just, it's joy, you know, it's, it's, there's so much joy when you think of, um, just these fragrant scented herbs, you know, it's, there's just so much, uh, depth and, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of talk these days about emotional health, mental health, right. <laughs> you know, and, but Yeshua, the bridegroom, he is full of emotional health. Mm-hmm. He has, uh, strength in his emotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what drew the broken to him. I believe, you know, that, that he had this strength of emotion and he, he perfectly balanced judgment and mercy, like I said. So mm-hmm. there was a sense of safety for the broken. They were able to come to him and receive what they needed, exactly what they needed. Mm-hmm. The children loved him, right? He, he wasn't, uh, like you say, stoic. He was, mm-hmm. he was embracing. He, he loved the children. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. And so lilies, as we've talked about, represents uh, purity, fragrance. And so his lips here, you know, comparing him to lilies, that the, his lips are... Uh, Giving, I think of the, uh, the passage in uh, Ephesians four twenty nine that talks about the uh, 
speaking words of edification that minister grace to the hearers, mm-hmm. right? And so this this is the lilies. Like there, there's a grace, there's a, a beauty to his words. Mm-hmm. And then dripping liquid myrrh, at the same time that they're, they're gracious words and they're, you know, they're uh, life-giving, beautiful words. They also, ha- they're, they're dripping liquid myrrh, which speaks of sacrifice. You know, in Yeshua, when he, you look at the gospels, he's speaking to his disciples. He's not hiding from them the fact that there's going to be sacrifice involved in their commitment. Mm-hmm. And so at the same time that he's gracious, you know, today's world, you know, if someone's just, it, it, we like to think of someone, you know, a nice person only speaking just nice Mm-hmm. light things all the time, right? right. <laughs> but here, Yeshua, he's here again, there's this balance of, yes, his lips are like lilies. They're beautiful. They have beautiful words, but they're not hiding the fact right. that if you listen to these words, then there's going to be this liquid myrrh, mm-hmm. this, this element of giving up, of sacrificing mm-hmm. for the sake of the beloved. Mm-hmm. And so it's, com- it's those two going together and we, we can't ignore the, the liquid myrrh dripping as right. well. Right, yeah, and I think uh, you know there's there's a a real depth to that as well as far as you know his lips are lilies. Uh, it's that purity is something of substance, and I think that that's where uh, you know it, in today's world we can uh, address a lot of things, um, the problems in life and stuff. Just like well, your life just went bad there. You know, you got a lot of problems and. Um, but yeah, it's like the, there's such a, a purity of, and, and substance to the way that, that he's presenting the purity, you know, that it's not, uh, ignoring the, the reality of the trials and the, and the hard things that you have to go through, you know, to walk it out. Right. Psalm 45 too, it says, you are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. So this is speaking of the bridegroom, you know, in Psalm, the, even the introduction of Psalm 45 mm-hmm. talks about a song of lilies, right? And so uh-huh. there's the, that connection there. But uh, grace is poured upon your lips. He just has this grace just flowing forth. Mm-hmm. Luke 4.22, So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So mm-hmm. here, here again, just a testimony of the, he's speaking with grace. He's speaking with life-giving words. Mm-hmm. And I think of the, the verse in John, it says his words are spirit and they are life. So as we meditate on those words, as we receive those words, it's going to minister life and strength to us spiritually as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great combination to have that uh, purity and the, um, yeah, the the purity and the grace that also is is so perfectly balanced with that picture of of myrrh and uh, mm-hmm. and just all that's required to to bring about myrrh in your life, you know, that, that mm-hmm. it's not always easy. So in verse 14, his hands are rods of gold set with burl. So his hands would speak of his actions, what he's, his works. And so his hands are rods of gold. The gold would indicate or would uh, represent divine, you know, a divine uh, nature that he, his, so his works of his hands are they're, they're of heaven, right? They're this, there's this divine working of his hands. And so in our lives, as his hands are molding us, fashioning us, mm-hmm. there's this divine element to that. And this, the bride's recognizing this, you know, I don't, she's not saying she knows exactly why she's going through the trial she's going through, but she's recognizing his hands, his hand at work in my life is like gold. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a divine process that he's putting me through. Mm-hmm. I think of the uh, you know the potter's will, right? The potter's fashioning, and Jeremiah talks about that. The potter's shaping this vessel, mm-hmm. and so 
the potter, he is at work. His hands are like rods of gold set with burl. And so burl is a jewel. This jewel is found in the high priest garment, the ephod. And uh, this is a, a beautiful jewel. But I want to point out, it says it's set with burl. These rods of gold are set with burl. And so when you set a jewel, a jeweler who's setting a jewel into a gold ring, you know, there's a real strong purposefulness to that process. There's an intention involved there. So the bride here is recognizing that these, this burl that's being set into the gold, there's like this precision involved. And so the bridegroom working in her life, there's precision, there's care, there's this real attention to detail. She's not forgotten, basically. God is, is working, his hands are working on me, and this burl, this jewel is being set perfectly in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that's uh, yeah, just so important to remember. Uh, you know, and I'm also thinking again, whenever I, whenever I see gold, I'm thinking of the refining process as well, uh, that this isn't like a haphazard kind of a situation, that this is um, a very purposeful, uh, a very purposeful, very uh, weighty thing, you know, that, that he's not taking it lightly, <laughs> you know, that you are in his hands, that it's something that's very purposeful. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap up right there and uh, we'll continue on with the rest of the, the uh, praise that the bride has for the bridegroom in the next podcast. But yeah, this yeah, is she's so rich. She's not done. She's not done yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly.